Are we ready? I'm ready. Let's go. All right, let's do it. Hey, I'm Ellie. And I'm Heidi. And we are the Moms Moms in in the the middle. Middle. Two Midwest moms talking about the nuances of pregnancy, birth, and parenting in our modern world. There is so much perceived polarization between the different decisions we make in early parenthood. Home birth versus hospital birth formula versus breast milk, and sleep training versus co-sleeping. But most of us find ourselves somewhere in the middle. From choosing the right provider for your birth to picking a preschool for your toddler, we are going to talk about how we weigh different opinions and follow our intuition to make the right choices for us. There's no right way to parent, and every family has different goals, values, and support. Let's meet in the middle and chat about it. Okay, got it. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Yeah, welcome to this week's episode of Moms in the Middle. Yeah, we are going to chat about some breastfeeding talk, some of our journeys with breastfeeding. We got a few requests for us talking more about that. We'll link it in the show notes, but we have an episode already on pumping. So we'll kind of talk more about latching those first couple weeks and weaning eventually and just kind of some of those those other topics in the in-between but Ellie how was your week it's been good it's been good I just feel like everything's been just so busy and weird like you know the weather in the Kansas City area we've had such a weird like so much weird weather and like daycare's been closed kids, today. And I, was say, I don't kids know. Out of school. <laughs> yeah, I was like really looking forward to getting back to kind of like more of a normal routine and like a full week. And you know, even though my kids aren't school age, it still just mm-hmm. feels weird and like a little unsettling. I don't know, like around the holidays, it's all fun, but it's just I'm yeah. just ready. I just I'm that kind of person. I need the routine. So I was excited yeah. for that, and then I was let down when. <laughs> closed and the weather came in so yes um but it's good how are you doing I know you thrive in this has been horrible I do love the weather but my week has been horrible I mean I don't love I my daughter has had two days of school since the since after Christmas break so it's kind of been it is what it is she actually loves it she's a homebody like she hate like she loves school she hates going like anywhere anytime like she just wants to be home she's like I like it at school but I then I think of you and then I'm sad and I think of my stuffed animals at home in my bed without me and I'm sad So anyways, I don't know how she's going to do with kindergarten next year, but yeah, she's been fine. And then like, we've had, you know, childcare cancellations because of the snow and then also sickness. And then I had two births this week that were both overnights, as you know. And so I pulled two overnighters within just a few days of each other. And that was really tough. And thank you, Ellie, for coming in on a day you were not on call to come relieve me after the one overnighter. And it was cool, though, to see our team model, like, you know, kind of at work and, you know, see how it's all going to work out. It it it. was cool. Yeah, I really appreciate it. But yeah, and neither birth was like an easy, straightforward birth either. So it was just like... Mm -hmm you know, a lot of, you know, it's just draining sometimes physically and just emotionally also, like as much as I just love my job and love supporting people through those moments when it's like two long, emotionally difficult births back to back, it just kind of is like, 
<sighs> you know, like you need some time yeah. to recover. Yeah. So anyway, so we're getting there. Um, luckily, though, like I struggle with migraines a lot times. I know. And then only two, like we are, uh, we're not, we don't have a full schedule in February, which is actually really good. Like, yeah. because then March and April we're booked out. So, um, mm -hmm. in May I've had ton, I have a few inquiry calls this week for May. We have one booked for June. So anyways, it'll be good. But, um, yeah, I usually get migraines whenever I get like, don't sleep overnight and I haven't got one either time. So that's been really yeah. great. Yeah, I feel like it's been aggressively getting better. It's been about a year. In Jan in February, mm -hmm. it's a year since I got my first migraine. I never had migraines before in my life until then. And um, I mean, I've just been doing so much stuff to try to get like on top of them. And I feel like progressively, it's getting better and better. And also just like my post, both my PCP and our my, my chiropractor who I see who does acupuncture too on me. Shout out Lisa Vlader. She's amazing. If you're in the Kansas City area, she's like body worker, chiropractor, acupuncturist. She does like everything. Um, she's for one price. So I just love her so much. But um, like they all kind of agreed that I probably had some level of postpartum depletion. And and I've probably talked about this before, but um, I just feel like as I've like implemented like a lot of like high quality salts and now I put like trace minerals in my water and like electrolytes and exercising more and taking more time for myself and like going to bed an hour earlier instead of watching another episode of Gilmore Girls like all that <laughs> stuff has like it's like very slowly like I feel like I'm getting and and as well as I'm taking like a really low dose migraine preventative medication so like you gotta mix the like western medicine with the eastern yeah. medicine a little bit um but you know they I feel like at least like both my doctors are like my doctor is very encouraging of using both sides and stuff and so anyways mm -hmm. I feel like it's getting better and so I'm like I'm pretty happy about that. I'm just feeling encouraged because that was a huge yeah, that's like super nice. Yeah, that was a huge thing with like being a birth doula is like when I would get the overnights, then it would be like a week of me recovering from an overnight birth, yeah. which is just like so unsustainable. Especially when you have multiple clients, you know, like and you yes. know and another and little kids coming. Yeah. And little kids yeah. staying up. Yeah. <laughs> and waking and up. I just, so I love acupuncture. Like I don't do mm -hmm. it regularly now, but and it was such a foreign did you do thing it with, to me. Did you do it with like your infertility journey? Uh huh. Yeah, I did it for about eight months. Um, when I took okay. a break from like traditional medicine for infertility, I was just like, okay. I mean, I had a friend who got pregnant through acupuncture yeah. and found one uh, an acupuncturist that specialized, you know, in infertility and. Yeah, I saw her for about eight months and did the herbs and everything that went along with it and the diet and, and everything. And um, yeah, I just didn't get pregnant doing that. And I was kind of, it got expensive, mm -hmm. like every eight months and oh, time yeah. consuming and stuff. And so I was like, okay, like <laughs> time to go back to <laughs> like traditional mm -hmm. medicine. And I, and I was getting impatient. I was, it's, you know, anytime you do something oh, yeah. holistic, like it takes time. And I was just like, okay, this is expensive. It's really time consuming. Like I need to do something else. <laughs> I was, I was but shocked I loved at how it. much I loved it. I was shocked. Mm -hmm, like when too. she first suggested trying it, I was like, eh, but I had <laughs> done like dry needles before for like pelvic health stuff with my pelvic floor PT <laughs> and like my hip after birth, I had some really messed up issues on my hip and that helped a lot. So I was like, okay, I'll try it. Like I'll try anything once, yeah. whatever. 
And it was one of the most relieving, it's the most relieving thing I I do for my migraines, like the points that she puts where I, you could feel just the pressure releasing as the needle goes in. And it, and then as it sits there and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've told Lisa last time I was like, I never thought I'd love needles being stuck in my face so much. Like no. it feels no. so good. <laughs> and Johnny Blaney is like, you know, it's so different. Like acupuncture. I just was mm-hmm. like, the first time I did it, I was like, I have never felt so relaxed. Like even after yeah. a massage, like I was like, uh, it was such a weird experience. And then I was like, mm-hmm. this is amazing. Like I looked forward yeah. to my appointment every week. <laughs> yes. And you know what? Like, like, even though dry needling- you're actively working on an issue. Uh-huh. Yeah. I hated dry needling. Like I hate the sensation of it. Like the needle, like mm-hmm. vibrating in that like tight zone. So I'm yeah. a huge fan of acupuncture. Um, loved it. I will definitely do it again. If, you know, for other issues as they crop up and stuff, but we don't have much time. Mm-hmm. So we need to get into breastfeeding yeah. stuff. We should have Lisa on the podcast, honestly, to talk I about. I know, you had, I know you had Jamie on talk about chiropractic care, but we should have her come, come on to talk about some of the other stuff like acupuncture. Oh and yeah. Other, and, yeah. Um, all the other modalities that she does. Yeah. Craniofacial, whatever. Yeah. Myofacial. I don't know. Craniosacral. Craniosacral. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And she's just so, she's so sweet. And she's, she's really smart when it comes to spinning baby stuff too. Like a lot of my clients, she does spinning babies releases on them and stuff. So anyways, we should definitely get her on sometime, but, um, yeah, breastfeeding. So I think we're just going to chat about, let's talk about early days first. So what was your experience like with your first, I guess let's, let's compare and contrast. So you can go first, like first child, second child, those first couple of weeks. Um, I was definitely more confident the second time around. Um, I oh, will yeah. say that even going through a breastfeeding class, bef- like during my pregnancy prenatally, um, I did not grow up with anybody around me really breastfeeding. Like my aunt breastfed both of my cousins, um, but we did not live close really. And like I was still really young when all of that was happening. And so, so did your mom not breastfeed? From- Mm-mm. No. Yeah. And so I just didn't have that generational like knowledge of breastfeeding at all. Um, but I knew I wanted to breastfeed or at least try to. And so I did the breastfeeding class and I still just, there's just nothing that prepares you for, for it. Like, no, and I know and we know talk what? about it all the time. Yeah. You know what? I actually, I actually have said before that that I think is one of the strongest reasons. Like, so me and all of my sister-in-laws and my sister have all had successful breastfeeding journeys with our kids. And I, I was like, why is that? When I see so many people who have like breastfed and have struggled with it and everything. And I truly correlate it back to both my mother-in-law had four kids that she breastfed into like toddlerhood, like past the age of one. And my mom had breastfed all of us too. Like, I think I was breastfed the least at like eight or nine months or something that my sister was breastfed until she was a little bit over two. And um, anyways, but it's so true that not just the generational knowledge, but the understanding of it from everyone in the family of like, oh, it's okay that she needs, like she needs to feed the baby again. Like the baby needs to go to their mom to nurse, like all that generational knowledge and understanding and everybody knowing what it's like to breastfeed and how much support the mom needs and like, you know, and not hogging the baby or wanting to give them bottles all the time. Like 
that I feel like it makes a world of difference. Like, of course you can successfully breastfeed without that, but like it makes a world of difference in those first three weeks postpartum when you are so insecure. It does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's okay. I just, it was just way harder than I thought. And I have pictures Mm -hmm. of both, um, you know, first latch with both of my kids. And it's just so funny because I always look at the first picture um, with my oldest and I'm like, gosh, it just looks so awkward. Like I didn't know how to hold him. Like I didn't know how to, like, you know, I just looked yeah. really awkward. And, and I know that I felt that way too. I'm like, I don't know like how to hold him and what to do with my arm and, you know, and, um, and so he was born early and that really kind of put a wrench in those early days of nursing. Um, and we struggled with elevated bilirubin levels and, you know, it was just kind of rough. The first few weeks we were triple feeding, which I know I talked about that on one of the episodes at some point, but that's, you know, it's where you're yeah, pumping, pumping and you're feeding formula yeah. and you're, yeah, you know, it's just a lot. Um, as a first time mom, um, obviously again, like we went four weeks early, um, you know, and was not really mentally prepared to go early, I guess, because myself and my brother were both two weeks late. So I, in my head, Mm -hmm. thought, okay, like for sure, gonna go to 41 weeks probably. And And don't you feel like, did it affect like, sorry, did it affect like his like latch and energy and stuff too? Because that's something I feel like I see a lot in babies born before Mm -hmm. 38 weeks is like they're Mm -hmm. fine like they can breathe they can you know whatever but they have a hard time doing all those while nursing yeah and yeah and doing it was very sleepy very sleepy and um you know I just felt like I was doing something wrong a lot of the Mm -hmm. time because one because we were triple feeding you know and I was like you know why can't I just nurse my baby you know, what am I doing wrong? Like, what's wrong with me? And, you know, I also had like all those years of infertility of like, my body is not working like it's supposed to, you know, and but also then oh, yeah. trying to trust it. And so there was just a lot of that going on. But um, yeah, so he was very sleepy. And I mean, we nursed every feeding was 45 minutes to an hour to get a full yeah, feeding. That's in. exhausting. And it was exhausting. <laughs> It was exhausting because, you know, I do that the whole time and then I would have to pump after that. And, you know, and then in the hospital, they had me washing my pump parts every single time I used them. And I didn't know any different. I had never heard of anything different. And I mean, shoot, it was a lifesaver when I realized I didn't have to do that and I could just put them in the Mm -hmm. fridge. But, you know, yeah, so we were doing all of that and just very little sleep. And because he was early, like... He was high needs, like he was irritable and um, didn't sleep well. And we dealt with reflux and, you know, Mm -hmm. it took a long time to add a a lot of advocacy to get his reflux under control and treated Mm -hmm. because it was, you know, a lot of time just like, "Eh, it's just part of it, you know, and my, well, no one's just how babies are. Mm -hmm. And he was gaining weight. So, and it was silent reflux. So it wasn't like we weren't dealing with you know, tons of spit up and, and all of that. It was just lack of sleep, irritability, super uncomfortable, would be really fussy at the breast, like all the things. So it was really hard. It was really hard. And I just remember, I don't, I don't remember exactly at what point I felt this, but I remember looking at those formula bottles 
you know, because we had the little two ounce ones from the hospital mm-hmm. and just thinking like, maybe I just need to do that. Maybe I just need to do formula and give up because I was like, you know, I was going to every support group, every breastfeeding support group that the hospital offered, like every week I would save my questions. I would go to that support group because I didn't know any different, you know, and Mm -hmm. I, you know, I would go there, I would work with them one-on-one and I'm so thankful that that was even an option because, you know, a couple years later COVID hit and then no one had that support. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what I would have done. Like I would not have kept going. I would not have kept going. Um, And so, yeah, I just, it was a stark difference with my second. First of all, she was born at 41 and three. So she was much (laughs) more intense. (laughs) Yeah. She was nice and chunky and much more content Mm -hmm. and slept a lot better and was more efficient at nursing because she had developed those reflexes and everything that needed to be developed. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just felt more confident. Like I knew, you know, and I I ended up nursing my son for two and a half years. Um, You know, never, ever thought we would even make it to a year, let alone two and a half Um, and so I stopped nursing him while I was pregnant. And so I just felt more confident. Like I felt like I knew how to latch a baby. I knew how to hold them. I knew, you know, I knew that it was okay that, you know, I just, I just felt more confident overall. Yeah. That's I what know. I felt like, or like, I just love second time moms as a doula. Cause when you're like, okay, you latch the baby. It's like, I mean, I love first time moms for other reasons, but when it comes to breastfeeding, it's like, they just know all the mechanics like of how mm-hmm. to do it. Like I love teaching first time moms, all that, but no matter yeah. what, like that first time holding a baby and latching them is just an awkward, uncomfortable yeah. experience. And you need to be like talked through it, no matter how many like breastfeeding classes Absolutely. you took. Um, and all that stuff. And, you know, if you don't have a doula, you can ask your labor and delivery nurse or a lactation consultant to come in to help walk you through that. Because I just know some people who they like, the nurse was just like, okay, latch your baby. And it's like, what? Like, how? Like, I know I took a breastfeeding class, but how do I do that? Um, and it's just, yeah, it is just And you don't awkward. know what's normal. Like, you don't mm-hmm. know what's normal and what's not. And as a first time mom, you're just anxious about a lot of things. And, you know, in general, and I I felt like the second time around, like we dealt, you know, it was not necessarily easy. I felt more confident and I felt um, more confident in recognizing what was normal versus abnormal um, because we did deal with um, a severe tongue tie, multiple lip ties. Like we had to go through that whole process of meeting with lactation and chiropractic and a release and all of that and nursing through all of that. So it wasn't necessarily easy by any means, but it was easier. Um, even with all of that, just being a second. Yeah. Just cause you know, time. cause you know what you're doing and what you're looking for and what it's supposed to feel like mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. Yeah. And the totally. fact that I think too, like, again, we were sleeping, <laughs> we were sleeping a lot more the second time around. Um, even with a uh-huh. toddler at home, like, we were, we were getting a lot more sleep. I prioritized that a lot more and put less pressure on, you know, making sure that my toddler was sleeping in his bed. And like, all I just didn't really worry about that as much. I was just like, however, mm-hmm. we're going to get sleep. And that's really the most important thing. If we're going to get through this, like sleep is one of the most important things. So 100%. Yeah. So yours, I know, I know you kind of had some, a little bit of a similar experience because I know with Alda. Yes, but with colic. 
Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So same thing, like first time nursing, just awkward. I remember like the nurse was trying to explain to me how to latch her like over and over and over again. And I mean, I had just had an unmedicated, very fast birth, which I was not expecting. And I was just out of it. And I was just like looking at her, but like nothing was computing inside of my brain. So finally, she literally like grabbed her own. You're like, holy crap. Like this. Yes. Yeah, and then they're like, "Here's a baby who's ginormous," and yeah. like latch her, and so she's just like, "She's like, you hold your boob like this, like literally held her own boob." She's like this older nurse with like saggy boobs. She's like, "This is how you hold it." She was like so annoyed at me. I was like, "Actually, that's really helpful. Thank you <laughs> for finally no, showing me." Showing, when I'm showing clients, I'm also like, "I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm just gonna hold like, my own." Okay, right here, not yeah, yeah. <laughs> I asked my sister to crochet me some boobs and she hasn't gotten around to it yet, but I'm like, I need some fake boobs so that I'm not like feeling myself up wet client meeting. Yes. And that's one for like teaching purposes, like when I'm like, but if I'm like, you know, I don't really carry it around with me. Like I do it when I'm doing like an actual class. Yeah. (laughs) Carry it around everywhere, apparently. Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yeah so yeah just like in our back pocket our fake boob um anyway so so yeah so like hospital hospital was fine I immediately second day well like when she went through you know how they go through like the second day syndrome of like they just cry the whole second night that's like in cluster feed that night after that I started getting nipple damage so I had like second day on I started to get cracked and bleeding nipples from her and honestly like Part of me was, or all of me was too scared to ask for help because I was so determined to breastfeed that I thought somebody was going to tell me that I shouldn't breastfeed her. Or I should pump or we should give a bottle or something like I mean, that. And like, valid yeah. concern. And so, <laughs> yeah. And because so, like, I was yeah, I mean, I wasn't a doula yet. I didn't know, like, all the resources available to me. Um, I just heard that breastfeeding sucks in the beginning. So I was like, I guess this is what sucks about it. And so I just kept nursing her through literally, like, cracked, cut-up nipples. Um, and it was, like, a few weeks before they just self-resolved, like, on their own from her, like, her, her getting bigger and more effective at latching and everything. I mean, nowadays, I have so many more resources and – knowledge when it comes to breastfeeding that I know tons of lactation consultants I would have reached out to and stuff to like help with her latch and oral function but I was like all anybody's gonna tell me is like I need to get her tongue tie clipped or that I shouldn't be nursing her and I was just like scared of all those things so I literally was just like I'm just gonna power through and she was from the very beginning like a very high needs baby like high needs nurse or even before like colic hit around two two and a half weeks old before that just like very like not happy to be outside the womb like just nursing 24 7 I feel like to get that like womb like experience so I mean I would literally just like take a deep breath for every feed and like latch her and it would be like excruciating pain the whole time then just like okay now we're done and we can wait another hour before she starts crying again no you know don't do what I did like reach out to the appropriate people like don't ask whoever because there will be people who give you really bad crappy advice over it um but definitely it does not mean that you have to go through all that pain or that your baby is doomed to just only drink from a bottle um reach out to a lactation consultant in your area um then 
two and a half weeks is around the time when like the pain got better and then the colic started. So she was just screaming 24 seven. And the only way I could get her to stop screaming was to latch her. And I had like a massive oversupply with her. Like I later found out I did. Um, And, you know, eventually I kind of figured out that I think that it was like this cycle of like, I had tons of milk. And so she Mm -hmm. would like latch and like gulp, 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 and get a bunch of air from like gulping from my overactive blood down and my oversupply. And then it would make her really gassy and cranky and she wouldn't take a passy. She wouldn't like nothing else calmed her down except for baby wearing or nursing. So then when I was home alone with her, I would just latch her again to nurse her again to get her to stop screaming, like wailing. Because when you have colic and you're just in like survival mode and you're like literally like terrified of your child crying because it's all that happens all day and night, you're just like, any way I can get them to shut going to do it so I would keep like nursing her and nursing her and nursing her then it would make I feel like get her more gas and more colicky and then literally we would do that every day until she just passed out and slept all night she would sleep most of the night but it was like we would just go through this cycle every day and then she was just like so full and exhausted by the end of the day she would sleep really good at night but that was like my only survival like sleeping at night and me getting a little bit of a break and like time off of her body on me and so we went through that until about four months old is when the colic started to subside a little bit but I also realized how much of an oversupply that I had and started um like pumping off my first initial letdown a lot of times before I would latch her um or using the haka to get like a little bit of that like excess milk out right in the beginning and then latch her so I think it was like a combination of like her getting older, her moving more and getting more gas bubbles out, me getting my oversupply like under control, and then it being less of an issue for her. And that's when things really just hit like easy for us um, was around that four month mark, like when the colic started going down. I wouldn't say that she was like free of colic until six months old, but we just started to like survive a little bit better of like everything was a little bit more manageable that was kind of you know and then I nursed her until she was two years and nine months old and you know what I in the beginning it was so so hard the first like month that I thought it was insane that anybody nursed past a year like when my mom was like oh I I nursed my you know (laughs) I nursed till you know two or whatever I was like why that's insane this is so hard it's like she was like it really isn't that hard at once you get to a certain point like it gets easy and that so true for me with both of my kids is like the first four months is just it's a marathon it's like you're nursing all the time around the clock they're very dependent on you they're not very interested in a lot of other things going on around them so they want to nurse a lot and you know what I honestly with my second with it being an easier like it was the same with you like easier more confident experience I'm just knew what I was doing more I enjoyed being able to just latch them at night and not have to get up and make a bottle and like all that stuff, you know, like, like breastfeeding, I felt like was easier to me than like doing bottles and stuff, like going places, not having to worry about, you know, things, mm-hmm. bringing my boots Absolutely. along. Um, but it does really like, if you really want to breastfeed, sometimes just getting through those first couple months, like you really have to kind of just put your head down and get through it. And then it can become a much more enjoyable experience. Of course, that's not the, that's not the story for everybody, but I think a lot of people see it as this like magical, like bonding time, like in media and Instagram and stuff. And the first couple of months, like it's just not that. Like they're super needy. It's very difficult, but it really does hit a point where it's 
so much easier. And something else, like after one, like it can look like anything you want it to be. Like it doesn't, <laughs> since it's a primary source of nutrition, like I was still nursing both my kids like every two to three hours. So they were 18 months old, but like you can also just switch down to like once or twice a day. And then they're just like eating and drinking and you're just giving them milk, like nursing them once or twice a day at nap time and bedtime. Like it doesn't have to look like what it looks like with newborn with newborn nursing, which I think is like yeah, people just so can't different. That long. Yeah, it is so different. Yeah. And it's honestly it's a and, tool like to use mm-hmm. when they're toddlers. Yeah. And I think too, like as a first time parent, you just don't have anything to compare it to. You know, like it's just a whole new experience and it's so hard. And this is this goes for any stage as a first parent, as first time parent, is that every stage feels like it's going to be for forever. Like you, it's so hard to like wrap your mind around that it's this temporary and that it's not going to last forever. Um, I think that's again, a difference with second time, third time baby. Like, you know, that these things, you know, in the grand scheme of their life. Yeah. It's going to shift. And, and it was really hard. I know for me too, like hard to realize that as a first time mom yeah, and it was hard for me to get my baby cry and it was you know it was just hard and another thing I think that we struggled with um both me and my husband is learning sleepy cues versus hungry cues because you know I didn't realize newborns were such a noise like such noisy sleepers and so every time he made a a noise at night or opened his eye you know I thought he needed me you know and um Every time he would put his, bring his hands to his mouth or try to like, you know, latch onto my husband's arm. Like we were thinking, oh, he's hungry again. Like, how is that even possible? And so I literally felt like I was just, he was latched all the time because. 24 seven. Yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't realize. And then I'd get so frustrated when he'd fall asleep at the breast because I'm like, why, like, why are you not? You wanted this, so then why are you not nursing? And really, it was more so like a sleepy cue, and I just didn't realize it. We just didn't realize yeah, that. You're like your like capacity to hear your baby like cry or be uncomfortable. I feel like for me, it increased a lot with my second baby, like being like, okay, no, he's fed, he's okay, mm-hmm. it's okay if he needs if he struggles a little bit with my husband to go to sleep. Like it's okay if there's yeah. five minutes of grumpiness and fussiness. Um, for him to fall asleep. Like, that's okay. And that might yeah. also be, I had like some PTSD from all this colic too, that like, I just had a really hard time hearing her cry for a long time. Um, and so with my second, it was just way easier. But something I did want to mention too, when you were talking about first time mom, like, you know, the, the shifts and like how quickly things change. It's also like when you're a first time mom, you've never not had bodily autonomy like that before. Like your bodily <laughs> autonomy is completely like, changed of like you are now completely responsible I mean you and your partner if you have one like it's completely responsible for a baby's life and you are complete if you're breastfeeding you're completely responsible for that baby's you know nutrition and food and everything and so it's so hard to shift like your whole identity to being like this like autonomous person who goes to work and goes out with their friends to like the identity shift it is to motherhood with your second you've already lost all bodily autonomy. Yeah. Like you're, already, you're used to like being on call 24 seven and having to take care of a baby or, and a kid and like deal with childcare issues and deal with having, you know, having to tote them yeah. along places and everything like that. So it's just so different. And that's like, really, I think the biggest difference 
with my second baby because he definitely did not have colic. He definitely did not have the same latch issues. We did have the same issues with gas, with like me having an overactive letdown and an oversupply and him like gulping and then getting really gassy. But I knew what was happening. Like I knew that that is how my babies are with nursing. So instead of just latching him continuously, I would bounce him on the ball or put him in the baby carrier to walk around to soothe them to help put all like those gas bubbles out. And so I felt like it just resolved much quicker as well as like I worked with a private lactation consultant, which was life changing, even though I didn't have any. Yeah. Yeah. And did you see nurture lactation too? You yeah. see nurture like yeah yeah and that, the best yeah, ever yeah. <laughs> um, and so so like not even though I had way less issues with him working with somebody like individually like she worked on malfunction things to help him get a better latch that he wouldn't gulp as much with my overactive letdown. Um, She worked on positions for me to help him with my overactive letdown. Um, She helped me pare down my oversupply with which my daughter, I just was like, isn't it good to have a lot of breast milk? Like, yeah. And so like, and I learned like, no, it's not good because your baby hates it. Like your baby is miserable Mm -hmm. and overeating all the time and cranky and gassy. And so um, she worked with me to like pare down my oversupply to like, I was just like, just had enough, except for, you know, once in a while I'd pump an extra bottle here or there or something, but it was like life changing to just have enough. So much more manageable. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. It is so much more manageable. It's like a, it can be like a whole like part-time job, just like managing when you have extra breast milk and your boobs are always full and then you get clogged ducts and like, that's a whole thing. And anyways, mentally, oh, mentally. Yes, it was so awesome. So like, did I have, you know, 200 ounces in my freezer? No, which I I ended up donating all of them anyways for my daughter. Mm-hmm. I, like, I had like 40 to 50 ounces the whole time. And that was to me like acceptable because sometimes I'd be gone for like 24 hours. So I wanted like a, like a, I would think that I think that's a decent stash of breast milk, like 40 mm-hmm. to 50 ounces. I see these people having like 300, 500, 1,000 ounces, and it's so unreasonable and so unnecessary. Even as someone who spontaneously has gone from her baby for over 24 hours, 40 to 50 ounces was more than enough because he'd probably eat about two, you know, 24 to 30 ounces while I'd be gone. And then I'd pump to replace that. And then I'd have yeah. a little bit extra for if I didn't have enough or I was – late to a meeting like late home from a meeting one day or something I always had a little bit extra and you know what there is about 15 ounces in our freezer that are over a year old and we'll never get drinking we've just been using them for milk fast periodically and so now if I I haven't pumped in months except for this week when I was gone at the one of those really long bursts I pumped because I was feeling full and you know what I just dump it because it's like he's not going to drink it I don't want to watch my pump heart I don't want to store it. I have like, he nurses enough and everything. So yeah, it really, um, it was night and day. It was like maybe for confidence, for support that I should have asked for with my first baby or should have, mm-hmm. I just didn't know about it. Like I, I didn't, didn't know. know. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, Which is such, that's like such a big part of hiring a doula and birth support too, is like, no, mm-hmm. like we know what resources are, are, are in our community at what pricing. Um, and right. so many people, like it's so hard to find that information even online, like to know exactly what you're looking for and what you need. And then to have it like show up in the Google algorithm is so difficult. Um, and so um, that's like, a, I feel like that's no. We may not know the exact right person to mm-hmm. to refer you to, but we know other people who know people. Yeah. You know, like we're connected 100%. in the right 
ways in the community to navigate that alongside our clients to help them. And I think that is such a huge thing that I didn't have mm-hmm. with my first, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. I had yeah. no idea. And so. I just, you know, I just had the pediatrician, you know, and the once a week support group at the hospital. <laughs> Yeah, but I feel like all my pediatrician cared about was that she was gaining weight, like, with the issue. So I was like, well, she's crying all the time. She's colicky. She's gassy. Well, it looks like she's thriving. So just keep doing Mm -hmm. what you're doing. And I'm like, okay, like, the babies cry. (laughs) Like, babies cry. They get gas. They spit up. I'm like, I've taken care of newborns before. And I I finally had my doctor take me seriously when I told her that I was a newborn nanny. Like, that was, like, the one thing that she was like – Oh, yeah, maybe she does have colic. Like, after I said that, I'm like, okay, so what do we do for that? Nothing. I'm like, okay. (laughs) She'll grow out of it. And so, like, that's a big thing is I think people don't know that they're pediatricians. And I don't think it's because they don't care. I think it's just because pediatricians have no training. Like, maybe a weekend workshop on breastfeeding. Uh Like, they they theoretically take about the same amount of breastfeeding classes that you probably take in the hospital to take a breastfeeding class, like, to learn – before you have a baby right. like that's around unless unless they specifically like we know some pediatricians in the area who have their IBCLC license like who have taken extensive training on lactation um and they for sure can like seek additional additional education in that but most pediatricians not because it's anything wrong with them it's just not their expertise at all and so many people yes and so many people take lactation advice from pediatricians and I really think that's like I don't fault pediatricians for not knowing about lactation. I fault them for not referring to lactation professionals when there is mm-hmm. any feeding issue, when there's any feeding gas, gastrointestinal, oral issue with any newborn. You should have a lactation yes. specialist on board if the baby is breastfed. Like that is just should be a given in every single situation, and it's not unfortunately, um, and it's expensive unfortunately for some people, which. If you don't know, a lot of insurances do cover lactation support, but a lot of people don't know about it. Um, And so definitely reach out to your insurance if you're pregnant listening to this to find out what they cover and who they cover in your area before you have the baby. You can also start out with the lactation network. Um, Yes. But not always will they say, like, not always will you have coverage through the lactation network, but then you can definitely call your insurance provider because even if you don't get coverage, they might, like, you know, reimburse you and, and all of that. Yes. Yes. And so we will, we should actually, we should link that website in the show notes because I tell everybody to start there because it just makes it really easy. Lactation network is pretty much like a middleman between your insurance and the private IBC LCs in your area to find out if your insurance covers any of them. But if your insurance Mm -hmm. doesn't cover them through the lactation network, it doesn't mean your insurance doesn't cover lactation support. It means that they don't work with the lactation network to cover lactation support. So start there. And if you do not find lactation you know support in the lactation network contact your insurance directly and most of my you know clients who have done that they get like a list of either providers in the area or support groups in the area that are covered by their insurance yeah and i would say too to the moms who are formula feeding but still experiencing you know trouble with their baby you know maybe they're experiencing a lot of um reflux and you know they just don't feel like they're getting anywhere with their pediatrician and yes. stuff like there's still like just because your baby's not breastfeeding like there still could be structural issues or oral function issues or or things like that that would make it a little bit easier um to navigate and 
And IBCLCs, while, yes, their specialty is breastfeeding, they can still help with formula-fed babies and bottle feeding and all Absolutely. of that. And so I think it's it's a really, really honestly underutilized profession because they can they can mm-hmm. help with every baby um, if you're experiencing yes, issues really struggling. Yeah, I know. I've had lots of clients that I've taught pace bottle feeding to who are formula feeding, whose yeah. babies had gassy, were really struggling with mm-hmm. gas. And a lot of people just think that pace bottle feeding is only for babies to not get a bottle preference and still like mm-hmm. the breast if they're breastfed. But it's really just to replicate how the breast functions. So that mm-hmm. because breastfeeding is a better like usually is a slower flow and helps them get less gas. And so you're trying to replicate that with bottle feeding. Um, And it can, and you know, lactation consultants have all those tips and tricks and stuff. Just make sure that you see one that you know is going to be supportive of those things. Ask around in your community and stuff um, for one that works a lot with babies who are bottle fed. And um, there are a lot lot of questions. Yeah. Like, are we doing paste bottle feeding and like, or whoever's mm-hmm. taking care of baby during the day, like, have they been taught how to do a paste bottle feed? Because a lot of our, again, goes back to that generational knowledge, mm-hmm. you know, they weren't really taught paste bottle feeding. And so it's nope. just not, you know, so if you have grandparents or aunts and uncles or other family members that are caring for your baby during the day, um, they're a lot of times are not doing a paste bottle feed. Um, and yeah. that can lead to, you know, issues. So yeah. that's always my number and one. Something, number one question. Yeah, and I know we are running out on time and we didn't get to talk about mm-hmm. weaning at all, but I know we both had pretty straightforward weaning journeys of like yeah. we got pregnant and then weaned our baby because our milk supply went down or a toddler. Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to mention something for people listening since we talked about weaning that I, I talk with a lot of my dual clients about, and that is the hormone shift that happens with weaning and how it can oftentimes be a time that can lead to, there's something called post weaning depression, but it's pretty much like postpartum depression that just starts after you wean. And I think especially for people who breastfeed past the year mark, it feels like there's no support or conversation about weaning when you're not, you know, in those early days, because postpartum depression is often looked at as something that happens in the first year. But especially if you are nursing for a lot longer than that, I absolutely would consider your hormone shifts still in the postpartum period. Well, you know, well past the first year if until you are done completely weaned baby from the breast. Um, and that's something that I experienced very heavily with my daughter was every time I drop a feed, I would have a huge mood shift for like two weeks of just feel down and out, feel blah, whatever. And it's really because your body gets like addicted to the oxytocin that it's that it's having every single time you nurse, you're getting a huge release of oxytocin. It's almost like coming down from like a drug is how I felt of like slowly weaning yeah. off like the oxytocin dose in your body's used to. Um, and so, you know, it does like it does shift back, like your body gets used to it. But I really found weaning very slowly and gradually helped a lot. I see a lot of people have very, you know, bad outcomes or just big mood shifts or go into like a postpartum depression when they like suddenly decide, okay, I'm done nursing all of a sudden. So just something to be mindful of um, and to talk to you. Definitely don't feel stupid. Even if you're two years postpartum, talking to your doctor about potentially having postpartum depression or post weaning depression or whatever, when if something like that is spurred with weaning. Yeah. There's literally so much happening with your hormones for yeah, like a good two years. So like if you're experiencing stuff like that, 
definitely advocate for, you know, looking at your hormones and not just like getting brushed off as like, this is, you know, and we talked about that a little bit with Meg, but I think that would be another good episode to have is someone that comes on, like maybe a functional medicine provider or something, or we can have Meg back Mm -hmm. or whatever to talk about those shifts that happen with hormones throughout pregnancy and into postpartum with breastfeeding, all of that, because it is just something that so many of us just don't, we've never heard about it. Like, you know, talked yeah. from, from that perspective. So there's just a lot. And it can be a as simple and- as like, like I know like eating flaxseed and chia seeds like helps me with my hormones yeah. when I'm like feeling yuck yeah. and like different vitamins, like taking magnesium and like stuff like that. Like it can be as simple as like some supplements and changing your diet around a little bit, or it can be as, you know, or you need to go on like a postpartum depression medication. Like you can, you know, yeah. move these things around, but just knowing that it's like something that can happen and you need time to let your body shift and, and make those changes and find its new normal and like support along the way, I think is like very un- not talked about, especially when you're weaning in the toddler years. It's not really talked about, about what weaning looks like a lot of times during that time. And one thing yeah. that I do talk to a lot of, like, even just friends, but clients too, that I found helpful for me is just to have a clear why. And I don't know if we've talked about this. We might have already discussed this on one of the episodes, but like idea. having a clear why as to why you want to breastfeed or why you mm-hmm. want to wean, because you really have to look mm-hmm. a little bit deeper to be like, because when it it's going to get hard at, at you know, some point for most people. And so, you know, why are you breastfeeding or why are you feeling like you want to continue on or why are you feeling like you need to wean? Is it because of outside like societal pressure or pressure from family members or whatever? Or is it you truly feeling like that's the right thing for you um, in either either direction? Um, so I think that's oh, really important too to come back to and reassess because it can change. It doesn't mean that like, you know, your why when you were pregnant and decided that you were going to breastfeed is going to be the same three months in uh, into a really difficult breastfeeding journey. Like it can change and that's totally fine too, but just making mm-hmm. sure that you've done that work. Um, so you can always kind of come back to that. Yeah. And like the same goes for not wanting to breastfeed of like, if you ask yep. yourself like, you know, why do I want to breastfeed? And then it's like, oh, because I'm afraid everybody will judge me if I don't. Well then like, that's not mm-hmm. a super good reason to breastfeed. And I wouldn't want you to just like, breastfeed you know once you weigh the pros and cons and everything like that like just breastfeed because of what other people think because that's gonna make you feel resentful towards nursing and not have like a happy time postpartum at all and so um you know it goes it goes both ways like checking in with ourselves and why we're doing the things we're doing and i say that a lot of times for people with unmedicated births of like why i ask people a lot of times why do you want to have a medicated birth and people like look at me like i have four heads like why of course i like you're a doula why do you not know why i want to have an unmedicated birth but it's like it's really important to actually like you might just think oh it feels right to me which is like fine i definitely felt that way with my first birth of like it just felt right but then it was really good for me to dig deeper into like why does that feel right for my journey like why do i want that why do i feel more comfortable with an unmedicated birth and a lot of it went down to like, I have trust issues and I want bodily autonomy and I want to be able to move how I want. I want to be able to yeah. like tell people no and move away from, and like that was what was right for me. And it made me feel a lot more confident and safe in my birth to not have an epidural. But other people 
like they're just doing it because they feel like they've seen or heard that it's like the right thing to do. And so, or mm -hmm. they're scared of getting an epidural. So it's like, maybe mm -hmm. there's just like more education that needs to take place around all your options or, or what an epidural is or how safe it is and stuff. And then like, cause what I wouldn't want them to do is to have that moment in the middle of birth of like being yeah, like, you know, no. I don't know why I'm doing this. And I now I don't know anything about the alternative options because yes. I just was doing this because outside sources and now I'm alone and in pain and nobody cares if I have an yeah. epidural or not. So. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I start with that question too. And you know what I say too is because I get that like blank look like, well, mm -hmm. why are you asking me that one? And I don't know. You know, yeah, and like, isn't it obvious? On Instagram, yeah, those yeah. videos on Instagram look cute, and they had nice music playing in the background. So, yeah, I think that's just one question as doulas, like a lot of people don't expect from us, you know, mm -hmm. and and not that we are like one way or the other, but like, I want to oh, yeah. know that you've really thought through this. And you have that mm -hmm. to come back to and to hold on to when it and gets so, really hard. And so I know. So I, yeah, yeah. So I can remind you of it. Like I yes. can say, remember, like when you're questioning yourself, like remember that you, why you wanted this and why it's important to you. And are those reasons still important to you now in this moment? If you're questioning yeah. yourself or not. Um, yeah. And I, and I think that that can carry into a lot of postpartum. Yeah, for sure. And I tell them, I'm like, it's okay that you don't have an answer. And there's no right or wrong answer, but I want you by the time that day comes to have answered that question. So whatever yeah. we need to do to figure out the answer to that question, let's do that work together. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, you need to be thinking about it. And it goes, like you said, it goes all the way into postpartum and into parenting mm -hmm. and motherhood and all the things. But um, yeah, just a good life lesson. Oh, I learned in my like journey and I pass that on now. Yeah, when I was nursing Desi to sleep before we had this podcast, I was thinking of something though I really did want to talk about. And this is irrelevant to the topic we were just talking about, but in breastfeeding, um, I really wanted to talk about schedules with babies, mm -hmm. with breastfed babies, because I see this sabotaging people's breastfeeding journey. It's like the number one thing I see sabotaging the modern parents' breastfeeding journey is following mm -hmm. like sleep schedules and feeding schedules, specifically 100%. by people who are not lactation professionals. Um, like when you have, um, I'm going to call it out, but like baby wise and other and other books that are sleep books about how to get your baby to sleep optimally. Or, or any sleep consultant, any sleep consultant online who you're hiring, anything who is not a lactation professional telling you how often and when to feed your baby, huge red flag. They are not experts. Most of them are not experts in breastfeeding. They're not experts in what the breastfeeding infant needs. It is a lot easier to know with formula feeding how much your baby is getting and if they're getting sufficient amounts of milk throughout the day. That is not the case for breastfeeding and it is way more important to follow your baby's cues. A lot harder, I understand, but a lot more important for your milk supply specifically and for your baby's growth and general health to follow your baby's cues versus following a feeding schedule that some person is telling you is going to make your baby sleep through the night. It is going to tank your supply. I see so many parents' supplies tanking at four months postpartum because that's when a lot of people sleep train. They go back to work. They sleep train. They stop nursing their baby overnight um, and their supply tanks. And you know what? I am not against like we have had our sleep episode. You know that both me and Ellie do not 
correlate well like we do not like would not choose sleep training for ourselves or we have tried sleep training but we would never choose it as like the we would not continue to choose it for ourselves like it did not work for us it did not align with our parenting um i would not tell anybody that sleep training isn't right for them in their parenting journey because like it's not anybody's place to tell me what to do as a parent it's not my place to tell you um but i do think that a lot of sleep training culture and the sleep consultants out there um do their plans tank breast milk output and um, do not encourage like a positive breastfeeding relationship. And so I really want, you know, if you want to implement schedules, if you want to implement some sort of sleep training to not take their feeding and lactation advice, take their other advice Mm -hmm. Um, and also maybe run plans. Maybe you also have other things to say about this, but run the plans by a lactation consultant, something like that. Yeah, I think I think it again goes back to looking at someone's training. Like you said earlier, like pediatricians don't have a lot of training mm-hmm. in lactation. Like looking at their training and their overarching goal. Like a sleep consultant's yeah. goal is for your baby to sleep more and sleep through the night without you having to get up with mm-hmm. them. Um, which great. Like if you can get to that point, that's great for you. But also, like, there are some sleep consultants that are also also lactation consultants. And so, like, mm-hmm. again, if you don't, if you can't find that combo that's going to help you both support breastfeeding and sleep and kind of find where those two things can mesh together for a plan that works well for you, then you need to be working with both people and kind yes. of like, this is what, you know, I'm, and I'm working with lactation. I'm working with sleep. This is what they're saying. Like, how do we mesh the two yeah. to protect my and, supply? And like, protect what are your goals? Like, are, are you journey? Yeah. What are, and, and yeah, again, finding realistic goals based on the choices you've made as parent. Yeah. Like, are you drowning in postpartum depression and you just have to do anything you can to get your baby to sleep so that you can get some sleep and get out of the hole you're in? Like, that's a completely different story. And then it's like, well, maybe protecting my breast milk supply is not the most important thing to me. But then on the other hand, it's like, but then, you know, if you're just like, I'm just need to like implement some more um, sleep, like learn more about sleep and how to support my baby to sleep so I can get Mm -hmm. some longer stretches and stuff like that. There are a lot of sleep consultants. Um, I love Love the book the no cry sleep solution is a lot of that kind of more like how to work with babies natural rhythms to help them sleep more um i love that book there's some other you know sleep consultants online and things like that i know like hey sleepy baby i follow her i don't know if you follow her but she's like a more that kind of thing where she's more into like you know just breastfeeding and supporting your baby through and just how to find like more sleep in that journey um and yeah. so so yeah there's like there's those different ends of the spectrum but look at your goals and like if your goal is to breastfeed your baby long term then like implementing a really strict sleep schedule um and getting them sleeping through the night is not going to support that goal and i don't think that that's talked about enough no it's not it's definitely not it's like you're supposed to do all the things like you're supposed to have a baby that sleeps through the night and also breastfeed your baby until they're a year old beyond you know and it's just like there's there's not a lot out there that talks about combining those two Mm-hmm. and what that looks like realistically. And I think that was something that I struggled with. I struggled with that the first time around, you know, mm-hmm. like and you said, I he was too. high needs. He didn't sleep well. We were nursing all the time. Like, and I was just, I felt so much pressure to do both things and to do both yeah. things like 
at the same time. It's such it a paradox. It's not like, working. Oh, your baby. Oh, your baby isn't sleeping through the night. Oh, you're waking up to breastfeed them. Well, that's why. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But also yeah. make sure you're breastfeeding them so that you can breastfeed for the first year or above. Or, right. Oh, you're giving them formula. Well, that's not okay. You know? And so it's just such a yeah. paradox. And you really have to tune it out and just find what like works with your intuition and follow your baby's lead and what their needs mm -hmm. are and try to find um, professionals that support your intuition. Um, and give you more yeah. guidance as to how to tap into that um, and everything. So I know, you know, we're kind of running on time, but that's something I needed yeah. to just throw in there. <laughs> yeah. And I would just say, like, to leave it, like, we've supported so many clients through breastfeeding journeys. And I, per like, from my perspective, like, no two journeys have been the same. They're all no. different. They're, you know, they're yeah. all different in their own way. And yes, you can find similarities with people, but just don't compare yourself to anybody else Absolutely. because it's so detrimental to one, your journey and two, your mental health. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. And I think that's so hard on social media nowadays. Um, and that's why it's so important that if you, if you love somebody and you love following them, but for a period of time, you need to mute them. Like that's mm -hmm. okay. Like mute them on social media. And then when you're in a better headspace or you're out of that phase where you're feeling really inadequate or you feel like you're not doing things right, then you can unmute them like after that. Yeah. But it's like, that's okay to utilize those things, those resources. So anyways, but thanks. I just went on that. Ra we went on that random tangent right at the end, right before we wrapped it up. But you know, I'm glad. <laughs> thanks I hope everyone this for listening. Yeah. I hope this answers the questions that we're kind of getting. Um, yeah, but if anyone yeah. has more questions, you know, we're always here and yeah. or let us know if you think we're too good you with questions. us and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> these are just our thoughts and opinions. <laughs> yes, for sure. For sure. Oh my gosh. Well, thanks for joining me, Ellie. Absolutely. A pleasure as always. After I messed up our schedule today. So I appreciate it. No worries. Let's go with the flow. Okay. Stop. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week on Moms in the Middle. If you like this episode, make sure to leave us a review and hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts in order to receive notifications on new episodes. If you want to follow us on social media, check out our show notes for links to our profiles. Have a great week and we'll catch you in the middle next time.